On today's episode of The Data Trek, we have Lisa Mirkovich. She's the VP of Data Engineering at the Capital Group. We're going to discuss the softer side of your career path. So what makes you happy? What makes a good data engineer? And the internal data engineering academy they started at the Capital Group. Enjoy the show. Lisa, thanks for being on. Would you mind telling the audience a little bit about yourself? Hello, everybody. My name is Lisa Mirkovic. I work in Capital Group, currently VP of Data Engineering and run a team of data engineers that are responsible for building data solution for Capital Group. I'm there quite a long time, about 21 years. Started actually as a software engineer and then as an entry-level developer and uh, build my career and ending up now in this data engineer enterprise space that I'm really excited to talk to you guys about today. That's very impressive. You don't see that nowadays, people staying for over 20 years at one company, let alone people jump ship after six months. So that's very impressive. Thank you. Yeah. So I know throughout your career and for you personally, being happy is really kind of what it's all about. And I think nowadays there's so many different motivators for people and their careers and their career path and journey. I was interested in wanting to know kind of for you in that aspect, being someplace at one company for so long, you obviously have gotten fulfilled in a lot of different ways. So what's kind of that process to make sure that, you know, you're technically getting challenged and also kind of just you're staying happy and and the whole scope of things? I don't think probably it's only my goal to be happy and everybody kind of wants to be happy and fulfilled, but it's really interesting when it comes to career. What I found with myself being most happy and fulfilled is when I see other people succeed and I had something to do with it, enable their success, enable their growth, provided helpful (laughs) advice from all my learnings and failings across so many years. I, I firmly believe my purpose is to pay it forward everything that I learned and give that knowledge and advice to others and and see them grow and succeed. So those are very important pieces for my kind of leadership journey. But like you mentioned, very big part of career paths. I, I kind of look at it through three lenses, right? One is those values and things that drive you, your core values, which mine are kind of honesty integrity and trust. And it's really important for people to figure out what their core values and what makes them happy and fulfilled, because ultimately that shapes the path they're taking, decision they're making, their career journey. And they obviously shaped mine very early on. Also, you mentioned the second part besides these values and what makes you fulfilled. Technical skills are really important. It's deep technical skills are part of growth, especially in technology, and not just in data engineering space, but across the board in IT. So constantly working on deepening and broadening those skills, it's very important. And the third dimension of all of this, if you think about especially technology, you can be the best technologist and know, have all the skills, but there's so much demand for our work, you cannot do it alone. So software side, or what we like to call software skills that one needs to develop, and I developed, tried to develop, is collaboration, teamwork, understanding others, understand how to manage different decisions. 
conflict. And one most important one that I think is empathy and trying to figure how to look at the world from somebody else's lens and understand where they're coming from. Because for every technology problem, there's really five different solutions. And how do you, as a team, build the most important solution and deliver something in production? It requires not just technical skills, but a lot of these soft skills that I'm talking about. That makes sense. I guess when you get new people on your team, do you go through that? Do you kind of give them an overview of, you know, I want you to be fulfilled, not just from a a technical perspective in this job, but also just overall in your happiness factor? Do you have that discussion so people understand kind of your philosophy? Absolutely. And a lot, a lot of work, it's not just building technical skills, but really trying to tease apart, especially for people who are early in their careers, what their goals are, what motivates them, what they want to be in the future, and really try to understand that softer side and explain how that side is really important to develop if you want to be successful eventually in your career. So absolutely, those are probably most important discussions. and. <laughs> Essentially, discussions that I really like because of what I said. It helps me help them shape into the future great technologists and great leaders. So it sounds like for you, understanding individually what your value system is and kind of beyond just the work, but where you're kind of North Star, that's going to lead you to shaping your career path more appropriately to get to that final destination. If that final destination, I'm hoping for everybody, it's not to be happy, or I guess, you know, folks define happiness differently. But I find that a lot of folks that I talk to sometimes will take a job just because it has more money and, you know, different factors. But the people that are most happy are happy with the people they work with and the impact that their work has, even if they're making a little bit less. So it sounds like for you, having that defined right out of the gate or redefining it throughout your career as you know you progress in your life and personal life, that's something that'll keep kind of you going down that path of making sure you're happy at the end. Yes, absolutely. Because at least having a conversation with your boss or a close friend or somebody in a company around that and early on starting embedding that kind of thinking into your career is really important, right? Because ultimately, maybe there is more money and everybody's driven by this and money, it's not a problem if you're driven by that, obviously. Some really want security. There's a lot of different drivers. So I'm not saying mine are the best or critical, but people realizing and having that self-talk to say, hey, this is what's really important to me. And this is why I'm doing certain things. And what's your purpose? It's really important. And If you're young in your career, it's hard to have that discussion with yourself, but it's really important at least to try and start thinking along those lines as well. One important tagline that I keep saying is it's really always important to have this healthy dose of self-confidence and self-doubt. And self-confidence is that I'm confident in my skills that I can learn and fail and bring myself back up and then learn again and learn through my failures. And that's okay because I have a confidence that I have skills to overcoming. And self-doubt comes from, I don't know everything, right? As soon as we know everything, we stop growing, we stop learning, our skills become obsolete and frankly, we become irrelevant. So those are kind of two things that I think people need to know and 
it's kind of a softer side and it's kind of being very self-aware that you can have confidence to overcome everything, but also constantly doubt yourself so you can learn more about the world or technology that you're in. Yeah, no, that sounds like great advice. I think uh, the growth and, you know, being a constant student of yourself and being aware that your journey is unique and special to who you are. And everybody has different motivating factors. It's critical to keep challenging yourself so you keep growing. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned, you know, this softer side. I was curious for you going into kind of what makes a good data engineer. I know right now in the space, you know, defined terms are a little bit ambiguous. Every company has some different responsibilities for, you know, data engineers, machine learning engineers, you know, data scientists. But for you, what's your opinion and and what's your overall assessment on what makes a good data engineer? Well, I tend to look at things really end to end. And I think when we look at data engineering over years, we used to have people who were more focused on analysis of the data. And then there were people who were more focused on developing the data. Now this is kind of blending. And to be a really good data engineer, you have to understand and have a great appreciation from, I think, four areas in my mind. One is how you load and process the data. And obviously, there's so many different data types, so you need to know all of those variations, how to load the data somewhere, how to model it and store it, whether it's a database or some kind of a data store. Then you need to transform the data and drive the insights out of the data, kind of what they like to call find the gold out of the data using different types of transformations. And then once you figure out that gold, how do you deliver that to a business? Maybe it's a report, maybe it's a data science model, maybe it's you embed insights into mobile app, right? So that's a kind of end-to-end flow that goes from at the moment I receive the data to the moment I figure out how to apply the data. Very good data engineer understands all of that. Does it make sense? Yeah, totally. I think uh, it's not just understanding the technical aspect. The one thing that I was curious from your perspective too is you know a common theme seems to be the data needs of the company driving business needs. How important do you think it is for data engineers to understand, you know, and have some business acumen to the work they're doing and how that impacts business? Good question. And I feel really passionate about it. But I think data engineer or any type of engineering technologies is really as good as much as they understand the business. You can really understand Python and Spark and all these different languages and cloud environments and big data, and that's really great. But if you don't know as a data engineer how to look at business from the data lens, you're not going to be able to know how to model and store the data and apply the data to drive the business need. And I can use a very simple example. Let's imagine you're a data engineer in a store that sells products at Amazon. And your boss tells you, hey, can you load me all the product sales data from Amazon for last year? And if you're a data engineer of the past without business knowledge, you would load all the data into the database and say, I'm done, right? But the data engineer who understands the business would go to a boss and say, and did you know that AirPods are the best selling product and growth year over year is like 17%? And then TVs, you didn't sell it. 
So you need to maybe change your business model or use this data to drive a different way of what you're going to sell on Amazon. So that's the value you're adding, right? One is to load the data, but the other one is how do you add value through looking at the data and understanding how to apply it to solve a business problem and drive the business. Yeah, it sounds like that business insight that really then becomes kind of the cherry on top. And it sounds like it's almost become a necessity and you got to figure with more automation on its way, some of these lower level data functions might go away. So really the real cream of the crop, you know, data engineers or engineers in general will be able to tie those key insights, not only from what the data is telling them, but also the initiatives from, uh, you know, business and executives and, and what they're looking to accomplish bottom line wise. Yeah, absolutely. And when I interviewed the data engineers for our company and even all of my employees, when they come and talk to me about project they're working on, the first question is, what is business asking us to solve? What is the business problem we are trying to solve? We never go, I need to load web data and I need to know Twitter data. Like, okay, fine, but why? What's the reason why you want to do it? <laughs> and my employees will tell you, Lisa, always ask five whys because you kind of try to dig into the problem. And once you dig in the problem, the way how you think to approach solving using data differs, right? It's not going to be the same if you want to build a data science model or if you want to build a report. That's the complexity of this data engineering job because you need to know all these variations of the use cases and variation of how to model and store and optimize the data real time versus batch and all of that. So it's really important to understand what is the outcome you want to accomplish with this data initiative or the work that you're doing around data. So if anybody has kids out there or they've seen any movies with kids in them and they always ask why, why, why? Yeah. <laughs> if you're in the engineering world, you want to ask your executive or your boss, why are we doing this to understand the business needs so you can better do your job? Yeah. So the third thing we talked about business, we talked about technical skills. You're hitting on a kind of a third important bucket of the skills that you need to have. You need to have a critical thinking. You have to have an analytical skills. You need to be curious and you need to be a quick learner because this space changes so fast. So how do you learn quickly new technologies? How do you apply it? How do you fail? How do you learn from it? So those are also those maybe non-functional skills, we call it, but they are really important in this space and especially data, you're very detail-oriented. So knowing how to analyze and see the patterns and having that inquisitive mindset, it's really important. Would you say kind of maybe the overall icing too, or a very good connector in this last scope to really pull out what makes a good data engineer is then communicating? I think that's that last factor of being able to communicate to the stakeholders or the different business units, or maybe it's product or whoever you're working with to really understand their needs and also their business initiatives. I think that last part of the lack of communication sometimes. I think people get in their own world and they just want to kind of, you know, code and make models. How important is that to kind of round out everything? Communication is absolutely critical, but it's also kind of a this endless loop of you can communicate as much as you want. And there is nothing wrong you wanted to code and explain how beautifully your code is. I love that part of it. But in order for you to effectively communicate with business, besides core communication and presentation skills, 
you're much better to connect with that if you understand the business like we talked about. So if you say, hey, I have this data set and I loaded it for you, but you don't know to say, but I know your pain point is to understand your sales for last 10 years. And this is what I'm going to tell you your sales are. That's really where this magic happens. So it goes back to understanding what their pain points, what they want to solve, and then tying all this together with all the great coding and (laughs) engineering you did with data. And then, of course, having a clear and concise communication skills to tie all of these together, which honestly people build over years and learn how to be more concise from detail orientation. This role is detail-oriented and a lot of people are detail-oriented and it's really hard for them to elevate the communication to be top-down. So it's something that we definitely learn and teach our employees how to think that way over time. Yeah, definitely. I was shaking my head as you were speaking, so I, I definitely agree. Those are important things. I guess something interesting that you guys have done and implemented at the Capital Group was this uh, you know, Data Engineering Academy. I know hiring is always difficult for any organization and then you have great talent in-house and they might be lacking some skills and and as you mentioned you know with things changing so quickly you know leveling up your current staff sometimes is the best way to move forward and to you know grow your team so i was hoping that you could kind of give everybody an overview of what this program is how it kind of came about and kind of some details on, on how it's going and whatnot Absolutely. And you're right. We have a lot of great talent that needed to kind of elevate their data engineering skills with a new big data kind of space. But they are also, what was really important is they knew our business. They're also long time in capital. They understand the business and they understand the data. So really what was really uh, focus of our, this academy or formalized training that we wanted to build is to first realize and be very transparent and say, now to be a really good data engineer, this is whole set of skills you need to have. And to be top notch, we know it's overwhelming because it's a fast moving space. You already know data side, but these are the really brand new skills that are somewhat different than what you used to have to be. So transparency was very important. And then because it can be very overwhelming, you don't know where to start. You can Google and say Python training and thousand things will pop up on Google. Which one to use, right? People would not be able to kind of really be efficient in figuring out which training to attend. So we wanted to formalize it and build a framework and really list all the skills and then basically curate the content for them. So when they say I need Spark, this is the best Spark training that we think it meets our needs. And this is the best Python training. And this is AWS or Amazon cloud training that you need to attend to learn the cloud environment. So really that formalizing and building that framework was really important. Second, they're all busy. They all have day-to-day project work. So we wanted to make sure as a leadership to say, this is your time to learn. This is the time where you're not going to worry about project. You're not going to worry about deliverables. We're going to help if there is a delays with communication with business. We want you to have this immersive learning experience and not answer emails and don't do anything. We're going to schedule it for you and we're going to keep you accountable to attend that. So with formalizing this and with building this framework that curated the content, we kind of enable them to learn 
And it was very efficient because they didn't need to figure out where to go and, and how to start. And of course, we are not done yet. There is a lot more we need to do. And we have a different uh, ways of we want to have a capstone event and all of that. But the first feedback that we got was very positive from that perspective of, hey, you allow us to learn. You gave us really good training. We really feel empowered that we can solve hairy problems now using Spark or Python or in the cloud environment. And then also what was important, they feel like they're cared for, right? And because we, we as a leader spend time to make this happen and they felt like, okay, now we know that their training and learning is really important for our leaders. It's not just something that they say but they follow through on that piece. And I personally think every bit investing your employees, it has a huge effect on engagement and they're always willing to go extra mile for every bit you invest in them. And I think that's what's great about this. Yeah, I mean, you're only as good as your team. So it makes sense to make them smarter and upgrade their skills whenever applicable. I guess when you were assessing each individual member on the team, What was that process to identify where that individual needed to maybe take a course or programming on Spark or AWS? Did you guys work together? Did you have them do a self-assessment first or kind of what was that process to identify in your opinion and maybe the employee's opinion on your team where they are at to then appropriately kind of assign them to certain courses and, and work? That's a good question. I mean, I have managers who work directly with our associates and there is constant discussion around goals and expectations. And out of those discussions, what came out is, yeah, you guys want us to be these really great data engineers and you want us to learn all of these things, but how do we go about it, right? And so you get feedback from them. Yes, we want to learn and we are feel like we know like traditional ETL and Informatica, but we don't know Spark. How do we do about that? So really it's their feedback about what they are lacking and this constant relationship that managers and myself have with them that you realize, okay, they realize that they need this and how do we go about that? So then because we have like 20 or 30 people also with managers and with my leadership team, we really did a really honest assessment. Say, hey, these people really know data really well, but maybe they don't know this. And you build kind of your heat map and see where the gaps are. And then you talk about what is our strategy as a company in which direction we're going to go in terms of technology. And you marry those two. And then based on that heat map, you kind of realize what kind of training we need to put together. So it's kind of top-down, bottom-up, but it's really constant you know, transparency and getting feedback. And even after the first training, we got you know, a survey and asked them what works, what doesn't work, so we can improve. Yeah, it sounds like it's always making those adjustments and communicating them effectively. So I guess if there's folks out there that their organization that they're at might not have an academy, you can do this on your own. You can create your own skills heat map, share that with your boss and discuss that and see where both of you identify gaps. And, you know, there's plenty of courses online and and training that you can take to improve your skills, even if you guys don't have an internal academy. So I think that's something, a good takeaway regardless. I was going to ask for folks out there that think this is a great idea, they'd like to spearhead something internally. 
what process did you have to go through to get executive buy-in to then feel like, okay, they're on board. Now we can go to step two because sounds like it's a great idea. And I'm sure there were some uh, hurdles to get people on board. So I was curious how that process worked out for you. I mean, it was not really that super formal because like I managed this team, right? And so it was not like I had to run through so many hoops with my own leadership. But in regardless of what level your organization, you have to have a really good fact around why something is important. And that's a really important thing, right? How do you I had a fact and say, hey, our people are working a lot, they're working in an old technology, we are moving towards a new technology, they need time and space to learn, and we need to kind of be very transparent what they need to learn. They need to own it, like to your point, you need to own it and you need to make sure you're learning, but you kind of have to look at holistically what's your situation today and say, hey, I really have these gaps. And not that I just have these gaps in a team, they don't have a time to do it. So we need to help them as much as possible to be efficient and to build that free space in their day to learn. So I would say start with facts and start with building the business case with data. (laughs) Sounds funny. Of course. You kind of have to have a data. So for people out there, hopefully they have a relationship with their manager and manager says, hey, our company is going towards this direction and I want to be a really good data engineer and we're going to implement AWS and we're going to use Glue and we're going to use Python and we're going to use Snowflake. Uh, Let's just pick those technologies Then you sit down with yourself, like I said, self-reflect and say, hmm, I know AWS and I know what Glue is and I used it, but there's do other things like Python and Snowflake, I don't know. You go and build that heat map and say, hey, I want to do this training. Do you guys have a training for me in a company that I can leverage the training platform? Or in our company, some people do external training and we reimburse them certain amounts. Sure. But you will never know what's available for you in terms of resources until you kind of go and ask, right? And own it yourself that you want to learn and you want to grow and you are understanding where your gaps are that comes with that self-doubt and then say, hey, what can I do to learn about these things? And then additionally, after that, Once you learn, you go to your boss and say, hey, I learned this. Can you give me opportunities to practice this hands-on? And I'm not going to be perfect day one, but I will need to get feedback. (laughs) What did I do wrong and learn from there? And I think this is total kind of a mental shift because people are afraid to fail and they don't want negative feedback. And they think if they are told their code is not great, they're not good, but it's really a mindset shift to own your development and your growth and be open to learn and to get feedback. How can you get better? Yeah, I know it sounds like a, a theme for this episode is self-awareness is critical for your career and your career growth. So no, I think that's great advice. I was going to ask you this space, like you mentioned, data engineering, it's constantly changing, evolving. I guess from this point moving forward, How do you see the data engineering role in the future? I personally think it's really bright. And I know there's a growing concern that when enabling self-service and artificial intelligence, that these jobs will be 
obsolete, automated robots will take over. There's whole of this kind of things out there, you know, write up. But what I like, and like I mentioned, like, I mean, this industry, how many, 20 or so years, right? And I like to predict the future based on the past. So basically, let's talk about past. Seven years ago, we built the data warehouses for our business, and it took us a long time to convince them to even run a report to understand what the sales are, right? And once we convinced them that they want a report out of data warehouse, they said, you guys build it. So seven or so years ago, we built 100% of the reports for business. Fast forward for now, we are in an 80-20 model. 80% business builds their reports on their own, and IT builds 20 percent of the hairy, complex, architecturally significant reports. So then what are we doing today? So we are building data lakes. We are building things in cloud. We are in a big data space. Data is stored differently than in data warehouse. Business is trying to get to data and drive insights out of data lakes, but they don't know how. So what happens? IT is building 100% of this access to data lake. And really trying hard to shift to this 80-20 model by building these self-service tools that allows business to build self-sufficient. And this is a chain journey that will probably last next few years. And a lot of data engineering work needs to happen <laughs> to make this business self-sufficient, accessing the data and building data science models and all of that. And then guess what? By the time we enable data service or self-service on a data lake, we will start streaming, getting data through streams, right? And business will want to draw value from the streams real time that will require, again, another set of engineering. And probably we will not need to store the data, but we will need to engineer somehow access to that data so business can draw insights real time. And again, IT and data engineering will try to figure it out, then self-service, and it's going to be 80-20 model in five or so years, business will self-service data from streams and we will be on to something new that will pop up that I cannot predict yet. It's going to be this total kind of loop, endless loop of new technology, new ways to draw insights from data. IT will lead development of the patterns and ultimately scale it out to business to enable their ongoing success, which is all what we are here for. So I would say, don't worry, continue learning, continue understanding and applying technology, understand the business and data, and then build your soft skills and really, what I like to say, control what you can control and don't be so afraid of predicting how the future would look like. There's definitely a lot out of our control. So I agree. I think what you can do, focus on, and it sounds like if you're in the data engineering space or you're looking to get in that space, it sounds like there's going to be a need for quite a while in the future. So nothing to worry about on that side. Lisa, it's been a pleasure. Really appreciate you being on. I guess if anybody wants to reach out, is LinkedIn the best course of action to get in touch with you? Like I said, I love to pay forward. I like to provide help, advice, mentor people, and really... There was a lot of learning and failing and learning and failing across all of these aspects through the career. And if one person of this podcast has a hot moment, I feel like it was success. I agree with that. So hopefully there was an aha moment out there and hopefully there will be many more. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know and look forward to uh, 
seeing you on the next episode. Lisa, again, thanks for your time. And uh, we'll see you again. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you very much.